0: This is The Mudroom, on common sense parenting classes with Alana Robinson, parenting effectiveness coach and child behavior strategist. Weekly nuggets of developmentally appropriate parenting wisdom to help you parent your toddlers and preschoolers more effectively with less effort. The Mudroom is recorded live on Facebook every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific. Now, here's Alana hello everyone welcome to the mudroom our weekly free and live uncommon sense parenting class how is everybody has spring sprung where you live because it sure hasn't here (laughs) i'm so over winter bring on the sun the four feet of snow in my yard is condensing but we are a very long way from hitting grass and i am so over it though so my kids did play outside for an hour and a half today which they haven't been able to do for a very long time okay <laughs> hey anna's here okay so Before we get into our topic tonight, I'd like to introduce myself for anyone who is new. My name is Alana Robinson, and I am a parenting effectiveness coach. I help parents of toddlers and preschoolers understand why their children are misbehaving and how to fix it without yelling, shaming, or using timeouts. I'm your host here on The Mudroom. I also host my free peer support parenting group, The Parenting Posse, and I have a membership program called The Brain Skills Blue. I can't even say the name of my own program, Brain Skills Play Blueprint, I usually just call it BSPB, where I coach parents who want some more attention and support. Hey, Angela! Hey, Nnamo! Hey, bud. I know all about you. (laughs) Hey, Kim! Okay, so tonight, I'd like to talk about stress. I've been mentioning stress more and more frequently here in the Mudge Room, we've been talking about stress a lot in BSPV, and it's starting to come up much more frequently in the Posse too. So I think that it's time that we have a little chat about it, because I too am starting to realize what a huge role this plays for parents you know that I am, I'm always learning. I am constantly reading books and articles and research papers and taking professional development classes and watching seminars. I never stop learning and I never will. And one of those books I read back in 2016 when it first came out, and it was self-reg by Dr. Stuart Shanker. And I have read it about four times since because it kind of blew my mind. And it's taken... Multiple rereadings to really grasp all of it. And even then, I'm currently taking a certification course with Dr. Shanker. He introduced a certification course last year, and I am lucky to be able to be participating in it right now. And every week, my mind is being reblown. So, this is a really deep topic that is just really starting to be understood. But I think the concept of stress is really so vital for parents to kind of wrap their heads around because we talk a lot about skills here. Critical thinking skills, executive functioning skills, but neither of those things can be accessed if you don't have self-regulation skills. Without self-regulation skills, your brain literally turns off your executive functioning skills. They become physically impossible to use. So That's why this has become such a hot topic in the Brain Skills Play Blueprint recently because obviously (laughs) if we're focusing on executive functioning skills, that's not going to do you any good if you can't access them, right? So we're starting to flesh this topic out more and more. So we've talked about stress behavior versus misbehavior before and how children will get stressed when the demands on them outstrip their ability to meet that demand. But what determines their ability to meet that demand? Why can kids do something sometimes and not others? Why can they stay calm at the park when, you know, another child grabs their toy, but at daycare they bite or they can keep track of their shoes at daycare, but at home they just throw them willy-nilly, and then every morning, it's like a bad reenactment of the amazing race trying to hunt down shoes. What is stress? (laughs) Can there be good stress? So the definition of stress that Dr. Shanker gives is that stress is energy expenditure. Anything that causes you to expend mental or physical energy is stress. Now, we as adults tend to expend a lot of energy on worry, especially as moms. (laughs) We spend so much energy worrying, often about things that we have no control over. So as adults, we tend to conflate the concept of stress with worry, which is why when I suggest to a parent that their child is stressed, they often get very defensive. A beautiful example was the other week. Um, and that's actually when I decided, nope, we need to, I was going to do this topic closer to June. I was like, no, we need to bring it up to now. The other week, one of my admins in the posse answered a post stating that it didn't sound like misbehavior, but like stress. And the poster immediately replied with, my daughter has nothing to be stressed about. She's loved. She has a stable home. She's got everything she could ever want, but thanks. So stress and worry are not the same thing. Saying that your child is stressed doesn't mean that they have something to worry about. It simply means that the demands on their energy outstrip the energy they have to expend. So being asked to eat a food that you don't know if you like or not, that's a cognitive and biological stress. Brushing your teeth, that's a cognitive and biological stress. The tag in your shirt that's rubbing you funny, like mine is right now, that's a biological stressor. Your friend looking at you in a way that you can't interpret, that is prosocial stress. Making a decision is an emotional and cognitive stress. Doing a puzzle, cognitive stress. Putting your outdoor gear on to go outside, biological, prosocial, and cognitive stress. Everything that we do, everything that we do is a stressor because we need to expend energy on it. Now, there are things that will refill our tank, so to speak, things we find relaxing and calming. Sleep is pretty much the only universal one, though. What one person finds calming, another might find stressful, which... Is generally where we start to see problems because parents often think something should be coming to a child and it's actually very stressful or they look at something that their child is naturally doing and they think that that activity is stressful but in reality it is very calming for them a classic example of this is introverts versus extroverts introverts find being alone very calming very relaxing interacting with people takes a lot of energy for them So they can't do it for a long time. They need alone time to recharge their batteries. Extroverts, on the other hand, find being alone very stressful. The silence is deafening to them. They don't enjoy it. Being around people is calming and relaxing for them. So they arrange their lives in a way that they are very rarely alone. These are the people who actually enjoyed living with 20 people in university. <laughs> or they have like 12 kids. Then there's the ambiverts who need a good balance of both. If they spend too much time alone, it becomes stressful, but if they spend too much time with people, it becomes to become stressful. It begins to become stressful too. Another example would be teenagers who enjoy listening to very loud music for their parents that's generally very stressful. But for the teen who is blasting it, it's very calming, it's rejuvenating. So this is where we get a pickle (laughs) because there is no one size fits all. What your child finds rejuvenating won't always be what you think it should be. So, (laughs) can there be good stress? Yes, of course. There is productive stress, this all of this the mudroom for me is productive stress I love doing these classes but public speaking also really makes me nervous I have a lot of stage fright so I won't lie after I turn the camera off I am absolutely wiped (laughs) it's a positive stress I enjoy doing it but it's still stress my son, he loves playing with other kids. He's very outgoing, but he is an introvert at heart. And at the end of the day, he needs some serious solitude. He enjoys school. He loves his friends. But if I try and interact with him, very much when he gets home, he gets angry. He starts to cry. He starts to hit. He starts to, to scream. Sorry, I'm getting dry throat. What we typically label as misbehavior, Right. But he's not misbehaving he's attempting to distance himself from more stress than he can handle so i actually don't talk to him for a good hour after he walks <laughs> in the door in fact lately i haven't even been greeting him i just kind of like watch out the window to make sure he gets to the door but then i just kind of leave him alone for a good long while after he's in the house because he needs that time to refill his tank so that he can meet my expectations at dinner. He can come to dinner with us and talk about his day. And that took me a while to figure out that even saying, hey, welcome home, how was your day, was way more stress than he had energy for after being on all day at school. So it's not always super obvious. Figuring this out takes a lot of observation time. Don't get me wrong. But if you can identify the source of the stress and either remove it or teach them to cope with it, then you're going to see a much lower incidence of challenging behaviors. And when we look at behavior that way, as I said in the episode on stress behavior versus misbehavior, it is a lot easier to problem solve because then it's not a matter of what is wrong with you. You know, that's not a question anybody can actually answer. (laughs) it's a matter of why is this demanding so much energy from you right now and that gets us curious rather than angry and parents as a general group we're pretty smart we're pretty sharp we can generally figure it out I see it all the time in the posse actually and so like I'll ask what was happening right before the behavior occurred or what the context of the day was and parents would say Oh, she had a long day, she woke up early, then we were at school for 10 hours, then they came home, and we were having dinner, but she didn't like her green beans, so she flipped out. So, okay, what was demanding more energy than they had to give right then? Probably eating the new food on their plate, right? Are the beans going to make or break them? No. Can we mitigate that stress? Heck yeah. Can we maybe introduce beans at a meal where she isn't extremely tired from a 10-hour day? Maybe she eats her beans at those meals with absolutely no issues. Maybe she can, you know, do it if you move dinner up so that she isn't quite so tired. Maybe, like my son, if you just give them a 30 minutes of decompression before dinner, they'll have the energy to get through eating something that they aren't 100% on. Maybe we can just be conscious of not planning meals that introduce new foods on days when they've been at school for 10 hours. Maybe we only introduce new foods on weekends, or maybe it was the quantity. Maybe if we just give them a couple new things, it won't seem so overwhelming. Maybe if we just tell them on the way home from daycare that we're having beans, it won't be a surprise. It can be any of those things. It can be all of those things. But that's where we come in as curious parents. And I know this sounds like it takes a lot of time. (laughs) And it does, but it doesn't. It really doesn't. When you factor in all the time that you're spending punishing your child, fighting with your child, having power struggles with your child, if you spent that time detecting and mitigating stress rather than punishing, one, it becomes automatic. It's a habit. like punishment is a habit. The more we do it, the easier it gets, the more familiar you become with your child's stressors and your own. So there isn't as much detective work to do because you already know that your child is in a low energy state at the end of the day and that eating vegetables is a stressor. So just warning her that, hey, we're having carrots with our chicken tonight gives her that lead time to process it so that when she's presented with it, it doesn't biker up. That's why time timers work so well for kids. Because being surprised by transitions is a stressor. (laughs) Time concepts on the whole are a stressor. So the time timer makes that more concrete. It takes away the element of surprise and boom. Transitions become a much less stressful event because they have the ability to access their executive functions and therefore use them. The Other thing that parents often object to, and it's gone quiet in the comments, so I'm going to guess a lot of people are thinking this. (laughs) The other thing that parents often object to is that isn't this catering to them? Isn't this like the lawnmower parent phenomenon, removing all obstacles in their way? No. Children learn to regulate by being regulated. As children, they need us to be the regulators because their blue brain, the neocortex, the top part of their brain, develops last. So they can't generally mitigate their own stress. They learn to do it by watching us do it with them. And mitigating their stress doesn't mean removing demands or expectations. It would be lawnmower parenting if you notice your child flips at dinner about veg and are like, okay, well, we just won't serve any more vegetables ever again. That's removing the obstacle, (laughs) not mitigating it. It's not teaching your child to handle the stress or to reduce their own stress. It's just avoiding the stress altogether. There is a very big difference. If you warn your child that veg is being served with dinner every night, eventually, Generally, once they start to hit like six, seven, and they go through that age of reason transition, they start to learn to ask for themselves. They begin to imitate how you manage their stress for themselves. So if they're going to a friend's house for a sleepover, when they get there, they might say, hey, what's being served for dinner? Children learn to regulate by being regulated. So does stress make a bit more sense now? Do you have any questions about stress? Do you maybe have some ideas of what your child's acute stressors might be and how you might teach them to navigate them? Have you had a reframing of stress? Tell me in the comments. This is just really like scratching the surface of the whole topic, but I wanted to get that out there for y'all so hopefully it begins to get some wheels turning if you want to learn more about this we're going to be focusing on this more and more and more in the brain skills play blueprint over the coming months so make sure you get on the wait list for that i'll pop the link for that in the comments and i think we're opening up again at the end of april also my scripts for managing crazy making behavior are designed to mitigate stress they're designed to change your response to the 10 behaviors that they target so that it causes your child and you less stress while still maintaining your expectations and therefore giving your child more energy to actually meet your expectations. Those are totally free and the link for those should be in the description. If it's not, I will pop it in the comments as well. So thank you so much for being here with me. Melanie says she had a reframing, yay! Hey Stephanie! Um. Awesome. I'm glad it was super helpful because I know you and I have been talking about it in BSPB a little bit. So yay. Yay. Okay. It's landing. I'm glad. I'm glad this is making sense. <laughs> Sometimes concepts that make are just like crystal clear to me, I have such a hard time communicating them, but I'm glad it's landing. Awesome. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for being here with me tonight and I will see you next week for another Uncommon Sense Parenting Class. Bye. You've been listening to The Mudroom, Uncommon Sense Parenting Classes with Alana Robinson. If you like what you just heard, remember to join us every Tuesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific on Facebook. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, share, and connect with us on social. This has been an Alana Robinson Family Services production.